It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and it's been a little bit of a crazy week and change since we were last here, and that's because of what we teased at the end of last week's episode, Colin, which is free agency frenzy in the NFL. Yeah, it seems like more and more players are changing hands in these free agent periods, and it's it's not always the big names that people may expect that move in the, the free agent period, the tampering period, and then the free agent period to follow. But there are so many guys that are likely starting on fantasy rosters that have swapped teams. Yeah, there's, this is a little bit of a different sort of episode for Camp Dynasty. We've spent a lot of time with the campers themselves, watching them grow, watching the process unfold. But this is a little bit of an opportunity to take a step back, look at the bigger picture. We're going to be talking about campers along the way in terms of how some of the free agent moves have maybe affected the draft and what we expect in about a month's time, Colin, the draft coming up here pretty quickly. So this is kind of our chance to look at it from a high level think about how the dynasty landscape has changed what it means for the draft and then from from here on out man it's just path to the draft absolutely yeah this is this is going to be our little like you said a little step back a little change of pace than our normal scheduled programming but we'll we'll still absolutely be talking about how these guys coming onto new rosters are going to potentially affect landing spots, affect player value, affect, you know, where we would like to see these guys go in lieu of free agency. For sure. And we have a lot to cover. So let's jump into it because a lot has happened, Colin, and we have decided to attack free agency frenzy by choosing some categories to look at the madness in. So the first category we're looking at isn't actually related to free agency at all, and that is biggest trade. Because we've seen a few trades come through. It's not only new contracts. There are there are some moves, but I'm going to start things off, and my biggest trade really, you know, kind of was before free agency honestly we we didn't talk about this last week it had already happened but now is our chance to talk about pick number one changing hands because obviously this changes the entire fabric of the draft carolina moves up from number nine gives up that pick 61 this year plus a 24 first and a 25 second and a little bit of a player called DJ Moore was in that deal. So you talk about dynasty landscape here. You're talking about, you know, obviously Carolina making the move to get a quarterback. We are all trying to figure out who that might be. But the DJ Moore element to this trade is what makes it very, very interesting from a dynasty perspective. DJ Moore, a player who was always seemingly productive maybe not to the levels that dj more uh, owners wanted to see but a fresh start for him in chicago with justin fields what do you think about that i i mean 
it's interesting that they they bring in DJ Moore because uh, this is a guy that's been stuck in Carolina. It, it feels like where he hasn't had great quarterback play, and then he gets moved in this deal to the Bears, and it's a barren wide receiver room. I mean, Chase Claypool didn't live up to the draft capital that he got traded for. You look at uh, Darnell Mooney. He was hurt all year last year. He had 1,000 yards the year before, but he's not like a number one guy in any sense. And then they bring in DJ Moore, and it's like – nice it's nice they have a number one receiver it, yeah about time and justin fields i mean there's limitations there and we we know that maybe he's not a high volume passer in terms of yards and completions or whatever but i mean he's on the ground floor and having a target bring a target in this is what teams are doing to help their young quarterbacks especially their young mobile quarterbacks they're bringing in these high value big ticket wide receivers to help them expand their game and give them somebody they can rely on i mean you can go down the list with josh allen stefan diggs jalen hurts aj brown and a few more that i'm not gonna you know list out all of them but those are the two that stand out where it's like you get your number one target and you take a leap and uh, we could see that with justin fields so do you think that this like if you on the outside looking in like DJ Moore, do you feel like this is the type of move that makes you more excited about DJ Moore, or is it kind of just the same thing? Right. If I'm, if I have DJ Moore on my roster, it feels, it feels better because you have no idea what's coming for the Panthers. You at least yeah. have an idea of who Justin Fields is and what he can provide and he's talented and whatever. But if you when he's on Carolina, it's like, oh, well, are they gonna draft Stroud or Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? Like, I have no idea what that kind of production looks like. Uh, so I'd say that I'd feel a little better. I'm not like over the moon thinking like, oh yeah, he's gonna get 1,500 yards. Like, uh, we'll see. Well, before we get to your trade, obviously this was an absolute haul that yes. Carolina gave up. I mean, this is a ridiculous price to pay, but got to get your quarterback first. So I just tell me, who are they going to pick? Oh, that's the question. I I think, so Frank Reich doesn't like small people. I think that's a well-known. Yes, I think he's very sizeless. So I would say Bryce Young's off the board. So that would leave it between Stroud, Richardson, and Levis. And it's a – I mean, I feel like they could take Stroud or Richardson and feel good, but um, I think C.J. Stroud should be the, the favorite to go one. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. I might I might have a take to unload in the near future, but I might be joining you in – CJ Stroud, QB1 camp. I love it. Um, all right. Well, your biggest trade of the period, Colin. Right. My little baby trade compared to <laughs> this <laughs> blockbuster. Uh, but fantasy relevant. I mean, we got Very. Darren Waller getting sent over to the Giants for a 2023 third round pick. Though it's a smaller trade, it matters because, I mean, 
there's no weapons in New York. They, they re-signed Slayton. They got the special breakout story of Isaiah Hodgins. You got Sterling Shepard coming back. But, I mean, I say those names. None of those guys are inspiring any confidence in fantasy managers. But Darren Waller, though he had a disappointing year last year, is a nice safety blanket uh, and then some for Daniel Jones. So it, it should feel good for Giants fans and for fantasy manager, managers to have Darren Waller in a situation where he doesn't really have much competition for targets. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why we're all sort of expecting that New York is going to draft a pass catcher in the back half of the first where they are selecting. This was a really great step in the right direction to actually putting some name value into that room and I'm not a Daniel Jones fan, but they are because they paid him. And so you better surround him with better talent than last year. And, I mean, Brian Dable seems to be some sort of wizard. So (laughs) I'm just going to continue to trust him to get the best out of Daniel. And, man, I I like this a lot. I mean, obviously, Waller kind of has a down year last year, dealing with some nagging injuries, things like that. Vegas becomes a very undesirable spot, uh, you know, even now with Garoppolo. I mean, it's not anything yeah. to write home about. So I think this is this is a pretty good situation for Waller to end up in, all things considered. Um, and, yeah, definitely a, a chance for him to reignite himself as one of the premier tight ends. Yeah, this would feel a lot better if the Giants had, like, a quarterback plan for the future. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it wasn't Daniel Jones because it seems like they just kind of they're like well we were fine you know it was, let's 160 just... million dollars later yeah geez so I mean it'll be it'll be a it'll feel better for Darren Waller managers than it did before but for the Giants it's just a it's a weird look all right so trades aside signings only from here on out. What was your favorite? What was your favorite fantasy relevant signing? Okay, so if Rashad Penny can can be healthy for like 10 games this season, he might have 1,700 yards. Because he got signed by the Eagles to a basically a one-year prove-it deal, $1.3 million, And good God, is this going to be like seven yards a carry for Rashad Penny because you look at the stuff he's doing when he's healthy with the Seahawks and he's putting together uh, the last two years 6.3 yards per attempt 6.1 yards per attempt and like it's just really enticing to see him in this run offense with all these weapons around him with this insane O-line I mean I, I'd worry less about him accumulating hits and getting the injuries that he's been getting pinged with because I don't know if he's going to get touched, honestly. It's 80-yard run after 80-yard run. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this is best-case scenario for Rashad Penny, honestly. I mean, it's it, it's a great opportunity for him. I mean, this is a player you know, it takes him a few years to really earn his draft capital, but – when he did, he was a real dude. And 
like you said, it's a cheap deal for Philly. It's it's low risk, high reward. It probably doesn't deter them from adding a running back in the draft, which is also a good thing because that's one of the more desirable running back landing spots, I think, in the whole class. So it's it's kind of a win-win for, you know, Penny becomes kind of a sneaky buy, you know, where it's like if somebody's just out on him, I think this could be the year that you just kind of rent him and then he's probably done or about yeah, done. So. Yeah. I liked it a lot, and honestly, it correlates with my favorite signing of the period, which was Miles Sanders to Carolina. So Carolina was a spot that I was really interested in, you know, a potential running back going there in the draft. I thought that made a lot of sense. We saw what they did in the post-McCaffrey era with Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and whoever else. I mean, they looked like a well-polished running machine with guys that you didn't expect to look like that. So suddenly this becomes kind of a fun spot. We're going to have a new QB one in the building as well, but we didn't have to wait till the draft and miles Sanders, man, miles Sanders cashed in. I mean, this was a player that I think going into 2022, a lot of fantasy managers were probably pretty down on it was sort of one of those things where are we ever going to see it for Miles Sanders, a guy who probably was drafted in the top half of the first round in the rookie draft. Well, he had a great season. Philly rode him. We just talked about how great the O-line and the running game there was last year. Well, it got him paid. Four years, $25 million. So they invested in Miles Sanders. This was not a one-year prove-it situation they said, Miles, come in. You are the guy here in Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. They wanted to just secure that backfield, and Miles Sanders has loads of talent, and he had, like you said, his best year last year with 1,270 yards, 11 touchdowns. and So he's going to come in and command this backfield. They let Deontay Foreman go. They'll still have Chuba Hubbard on the roster and like Raheem Blackshear, whoever else they got. But it'll be nice to have somebody that is just a veteran that is a good football player in the backfield with your young quarterback. And they're they're building this team in a nice way. I mean, when you're when you have so little money on the books when you're doing one of these rebuilds you can spend some on a running back and they have a potential out in 2025 anyway. So when all these defensive players come up like Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin and JC Horn, et cetera, et cetera, you could get rid of Miles Sanders and only take like a $3 million cap hit rather than the six that he's owed, which is probably what's going to happen. And then you feel fine. So uh, you get Miles Sanders for two years, you get some, above average running back and you go into your next era with him. You think he replicates 1200 yards in Carolina or about like, I I don't know. I, I'm not super confident in that. I feel like the Eagles were last year were about as good a situation as you can get, but you also don't have Jalen hurts take unless they have Anthony Richardson, but (laughs) yeah, but you, you likely don't have a quarterback that is getting that many rush yards, so you could be relied on a lot more, but then that's moot if Anthony Richardson's in the building. 
So what you're saying is, Miles Sanders sell? I mean, if yeah, I I would absolutely sell Miles Sanders. Uh, he's 25, almost 26, and he's on his second contract. Uh, I mean, this is the, the type of guy that you want to sell. Somebody the that's excited. Looks, the age looks not bad. The, the yeah. last season looks pretty damn good. We remember this name from the draft. New situations are always fun and pretty and exciting. Yep. You got 35 like days sell. to sell them until it says 26 <laughs> on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on the flip side, this is the only negative category we're doing, but we got to do it. Least favorite signing of the period i'll start on this one i this is kind of a cop-out because i don't i don't love the player coming in and i definitely don't love him coming out but it's alan lazard and there's two reasons that why i hate this i hate how much he got paid but i understand how this works with receivers and i understand the game being a packers fan extends far beyond his ability as a pass catcher Right. This is like your Corey Davis substitute, probably with like an extra tier of an upgrade as a run blocker from a wide receiver. But man, I just it's it's a player that I think had a decent amount of value in Green Bay because of being in Green Bay. Now he goes to the Jets, and I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where I don't love the fit. Now we got to have the conversation though, because the quarterback of the New York Jets is probably going to be the quarterback from the Green Bay Packers. So I'm asking you: Does do you think that this translates at all? No, this, this. Okay, thank you. Of course not. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like going on a tangent, and you were going to be like, "You're a fucking idiot" because they're getting Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. No, the the Jets have like four receivers. Yeah, they have like four <laughs> receivers on the roster better than the pack than Alan Lazard. I mean, you look at Garrett Wilson; he's going to be like the third best receiver Rodgers has ever played with like what are we talking about here so uh, I I'm just I they brought him there because he was on Rodgers wish list that's it I feel like that that's the extent of why the Jets paid Alan Lazard and yeah Alan Lazard is fine and he can replace Corey Davis because he's a good blocker and they're going to run wide zone and they need wide receivers to block in wide zone and then he can do things in the play action game and he knows Aaron Rodgers' little quirks and all that which is cool but this is nothing more than a nepotism signing yeah and i like the thing with Lazard too is like i, I you don't love the player to begin with but if he goes to a situation like i don't know like Tennessee or like something like that where it's like he's kind of in a de facto sort of a role where he's either the first or second option, then you're, you know, it's like, okay, fine. That's fine. But this was not that at all. And yeah, I don't, I don't love this. So Uh, we got another wide receiver though. And this one was a little bit more high profile Colin. So tell me your least favorite sign. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got Jacoby Myers going over to the Raiders. 
I he goes over there on a three year, thirty three million dollar deal. Uh, so don't love it. I the the thing is the the reason that I dislike this so much is also that the Patriots signed Juju for three years, $33 million. So it's kind of tied into the fact that he all, he leaves and gets the same contract with the Raiders. And then he's like the third or fourth option on the Raiders. And then he shares the slot role with Hunter Renfro who's there I mean, it's just like such a weird fit, and I understand now we're getting Patriots West over with the Josh McDaniels and company, you know, bringing over Jimmy Garoppolo, now they're bringing over Jacoby Myers, Uh, so Mac Jones, once he gets cut, is going to come over, and we'll just have a whole reunion over here, but I mean, I just feel like the the fit is is odd. I I just don't love it. I mean, Jacoby Myers is, is fine, but this uh, I think undercuts his value pretty pretty heavily. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's just fun, you know all these Patriots thing. It's just like it's always the same deal. Like, where's Jacoby Myers gonna go? Maybe it'll be somewhere fun, and he'll be like the Christian <laughs> Kirk. That's like actually, you know, the the money pays off. And well, first of all, he didn't make as much money as I thought he would. And second of all, all he was was just a Patriot transplant to the Josh McDaniels offense. And I mean. Sure, Jimmy Garoppolo, great. I mean, it's not Jared Sidham, but yeah, this is this was a disappointing one. I think a lot of Myers managers were feeling pretty good about this change of scenery that was incoming, and this completely tanked it. Yeah, I'm just looking at their wide receivers right now because I said he'd be like the third or fourth option. I got to make sure I'm not just talking out of my ass because I know they had Devontae <laughs> Adams and they lost uh, uh, Darren Waller, so... They got Hunter Renfro over there and Devontae Adams. I mean, he could he's the third option, you know? But the, my biggest problem is he works best out of the slot, but he he can't. You cannot play him in the slot if you're going to be playing Hunter Renfro. Like, Hunter Renfro can't play outside. Jacob Myers yeah. at least can. So, I mean, if he's their Z receiver replacing Mac Hollins, Right. Uh, that's that's <laughs> something, I guess. Matt Collins, man, look out! Yeah, Matt Collins in the <laughs> the dirty bird over there. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Well, most interesting signing. So this one's just kind of a a wild card category, and I'll let you kick things off. Yeah. So I got Dalton Schultz to the Texans. I I thought Dalton Schultz was going to be kind of a hot commodity in free agency because he had a couple of really good seasons with the Cowboys. He's a great red zone tight end. He's, you know, reliable. It seemed like he's just Dak's safety blanket over and over again. It's like, oh, hey, Dalton Schultz, there he goes. And Dalton Schultz managers can attest that he was consistent, you know, if nothing else. And then he goes into free agency. He denies an offer of, I think, three years, $36 million, and ends up signing one year, $9 million with the Texans. And, man, that I, I – but at the end of the day, it sucks for his pocketbook. But it's an interesting signing because they, too, need a quarterback. And if Dalton Schultz can be the safety blanket, the red zone 
threat that he's been with the Cowboys, it'll be a really nice addition for a young quarterback. And then they'll probably get another weapon since they just let Brandon Cooks go. So it's really only Nico Collins in that wide receiver room for all the Nico Collins truthers. And then, hey. <laughs> and then you're throwing uh, like Devin Singletary on this team. I mean, it's just a, it's an interesting way to build this offense and try to cater it to a young quarterback, like a Bryce young, who's going to come in here and, so I, I just think that Dalton Schultz could end up just being the wide receiver one on this team, like the number one target on this team, at least until whoever they draft comes into his own. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. I'm not going to pretend to be like an agent or anything, but I think it makes a little bit of sense to take the one-year prove it with Houston and have like a ridiculous season because you are like getting a what you know 25% target share or something and then make your money if if nobody was sold on you before which I also thought was interesting. I mean it's I understand you know the tight end position's kind of strange and we're expecting a pretty heavy crop of really talented players coming in through the draft so maybe that plays a factor in it but I thought it was a little disrespectful to Dalton Schultz but Yeah. Um, most interesting for me is kind of a weird one and there's a caveat to this, but it's the Miami dolphins re-signing Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and miles Gaskin. They brought back three running backs from last season. And honestly, it's, it's just sort of like, this was one of those spots where you kind of just penned in a running back in the draft like they didn't really make a splash uh in the draft last year so this was the opportunity in this deep loaded running back class they don't have a first round pick but you know get a guy on on day two and put him in there and i'm not saying that these players stop them from doing that obviously i mean it is still raheem Mostert and jeff wilson but I thought it was interesting that they decided to bring back like almost the entire running back room, uh, you know, kind of with the expectation that we had that they would just draft the guy of the future this year. Yeah, uh, this I mean, spending twelve million dollars on running backs is weird and spending 12 million dollars on three separate running backs that all aren't very good is also weird. I mean they they this is tom brady's fault obviously <laughs> i i feel comfortable saying that because they lost their first round pick because they were trying to acquire tom brady and they were tampering in the no tamper period uh so tom brady is helping the patriots by making sure that their afc east rival does not get Bijan in the first round so They'll end up taking somebody day two, I would imagine, and uh, I have to assume that they'll be starting by like week five well, because uh, like there's don't... no way there's no way that they don't do it right. They have to, but that the, that's why I'm so like I don't understand. Why bring back all three? Like I get it. Mike McDaniel was probably like guys let's get the band back together man <laughs> we're gonna have another party in miami this year but like i don't know i just i found it really weird that they 
you know, just decided to basically run it back with that group. And like I said, it's not going to stop them from drafting someone, but it does kind of make you wonder, like, you know, what if they don't? Because they showed that they didn't want to do it last year. Obviously a different draft class, but I don't know. Maybe Mike McDaniel is just like, we can do it with anybody. Yeah, I mean, they can. So, like, I don't, all you need is somebody that can hit a hole and is fast. So, I, I think we mentioned Devon A-Chain would be a nice fit for the system. Israel Abanacanda would be another nice fit for the system. I could see them just waiting until the third round and just taking Abanacanda. And then you just have a three-headed running back attack, and none of them are fantasy relevant. Right. Um, let's talk about franchise tags. So I, this one's labeled favorite slash most interesting because there's a lot of ways you can interpret these things. Obviously I got to talk about Tony Pollard though, because Tony Pollard managers have been waiting for years (laughs) at this point for this moment. I mean, to not only see, you know, Pollard gets the tag, then to also see that they actually moved on from Zeke. And now it is Pollard's team. This is the year that we've all been waiting for to see Tony Pollard as the full workhorse back. So tell me, Colin, then why the Cowboys are also going to draft Bijan Robinson. I was just about to say, I was like, hold your horses on Tony Pollard because Jerry Jones still runs his team and Bijan's going to be wearing the uh, the Cowboys star on the helmet. So, yeah. It feels like fade at this point. Just when Tony Pollard gets the role that everybody's been holding for for, what, three, four years, it's like, oh, yeah, Tony Pollard last year, 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground. And now he's going to be unleashed. You know, we're going to get the RB one season out of Tony Pollard. And then Jerry Jones is going to be like, oh, you can't pay us up on good players. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, if, if Tony Pollard is the starting running back week one, I mean, man, he's going to be putting up stupid numbers i mean this is he's probably one of the more explosive backs in the league and he's got long speed to you know spare so we saw uh, it last year man we saw it and they saw it too and they said you're yep you're the one you are the one yep so hopefully hopefully he is the starter but i would not be surprised if Bijan goes goes off the board at the cowboys pick all right hit me with your tag well we had to talk about it. I got Lamar Jackson's non-exclusive tag. Um, boy, this has gotten interesting really fast. We've been looking at a few quarterbacks that could kind of change the fate of a few franchises. We talked about Rodgers briefly earlier when we talked about Alan Lazard. And now let's talk about former MVP Lamar Jackson, who got signed to the non-exclusive tag. And that allows a team to trade for Lamar Jackson. They have to have their own 2023 and 2024 first-round pick in order to make an offer to trade for Lamar, which which excludes the Rams, Dolphins, 49ers, Broncos, and Browns. Uh, The only team that probably... The Dolphins and 49ers could have 
potentially been interesting, uh, but they're not allowed to make it because they have to have their own. And, uh, man, this is interesting because we are expecting Lamar to either sign a mega extension with the Ravens or get traded and sign a mega extension with another team. And that mega extension, according to people, and we don't know how true this is, is looking to be on par with the Deshaun Watson contract, which is a precedent that uh, was set by the Cleveland Browns. And uh, Deshaun Watson is making uh, buckets of money, and it's all guaranteed. That's the biggest thing. All of his money is guaranteed. And it's like $260 million, something like that. Um, So Lamar is reportedly looking for all of his money to be guaranteed. And all of the owners and GMs in the league were like, "Mm, we're not doing that. We're not going to pay him all the guaranteed money. We are going to make sure that that is a precedent that does not get set with Lamar. And... Here we are. What do you think? I think it's pretty stupid because I just, I mean, this is the ugly side of football right here. This is the gross side of football where you remember that it's just a big giant business run by greedy old men that don't want to pay the players that give them the money that they have. Yeah. And so this whole thing has been a quite frankly a joke. I mean, the obviously anybody following along with it understands what kind of transpired after the non-exclusive tag was placed on him. And you had all these teams such as Atlanta and Detroit and whoever else coming out and saying, we are not interested in this player. Washington. Washington. Teams that absolutely need a quarterback. All of the teams that people dreamt about Lamar Jackson going to, all these fan bases that said, well, what if he actually hits the market and we make a move for him? Well, those franchises quickly extinguished those flames because uh, they wanted to make it very clear where their interests lied, and it was not with the success of the team or the happiness of the fan base it was with their bank accounts so i think the whole thing is kind of just a complete joke and i on i don't know how this ends i mean i have no idea i you start to hear a little bit more like some smoke billowing up about you know maybe detroit's not out of this yet and maybe somebody does cave and finally make an offer but i just it's i i don't I don't understand how an, an MVP 26 year old quarterback hits, you know, what's as close to the open market as they possibly can hit in today's NFL. And we don't have teams tripping over themselves to get to this guy. Yeah. And I, man, this is just such a, a frustrating thing. Cause like you said, it's, it's a huge slap in the face to your fan base who, if you're the, the commanders, and you've been watching mediocre quarterback after mediocre quarterback since RG3 towards ACL. And you have a – there's a chance. Like, as small of a chance as it is, there's a chance that you could have one of the best 
dual threat quarterbacks, one of the best quarterbacks in football. And your team's just like, as soon as it gets announced, nope, we're out. We don't want that. It's just such a, like, it's such a slap in the face. If you don't have the quarterback of the future and you don't have a guy that gives you a chance, the, it's it's just it's kind of embarrassing to see your team in order to make sure that the Deshaun Watson contract is an outlier because they're like, oh, no, we don't want to fully guarantee our quarterbacks uh, their contracts. You know, it's five years, $230 million. In five in five years, that's going to be a bargain. I hate to say it, the 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 CBA is coming up, the Amazon's gonna give them a boatload of money for TV rights. I mean, the the salary cap's just gonna keep going up. So if you're a franchise and you're not willing to pay two hundred thirty million dollars as an investment into the most important position in football, because you are afraid that it is going to be precedent to fully guarantee contracts. I would be sick to even think about rooting for that team. Like I I would be, Oh yeah, we're going to go into next year with Sam Howell. We're going to go into next year with Desmond Ritter and see what happens. And I just, when you could have Lamar Jackson, it has to feel horrible. Imagine how Ravens fans feel right now. God, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. that's pay your guy, man. That's your guy. Like I understand there's, you know, the playoffs and all that stuff. It's an MVP quarterback. I mean, it's, I don't know. The whole thing just really rubs me the wrong way. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You and me both. Um, favorite IDP moving on from Lamar. Yes, so my favorite IDP was Bobby Okereke getting signed by the Giants. So I like this for multiple reasons. First of all, the Colts linebacker room was pretty crowded towards the end of last year, especially when Shaq Leonard comes back healthy. It'll be him and EJ Speed is a nice little duo, and then somebody that I'm forgetting – Zaire Franklin. Zaire Franklin. Yes. So Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, and Shaq Leonard is already a lot of mouths to feed in Indianapolis. And then Okereke comes to New York, who has a barren linebacker room. I mean, they're, they were starting Jalen Smith a lot of games last year. And they had, like, Tay Crowder, and they were bringing guys in that were corpses, essentially just to play middle linebacker. And then they go out and they get their guy, Okereke, who's 26 years old. He had 144 tackles last year, 132 the year before that. So he is a stud that can man down the middle of this defense. Yeah, this was this was far and away my favorite IDP signing of the period. I mean, like you said, Okereke, you, this Indianapolis linebacker room like kind of almost got stupid after a while because it was like, Shaquille Leonard emerges a few years ago and then Okereke's there. And then last year uh, with Leonard Hurt, Zaire Franklin becomes an elite IDP. I mean, it was like ridiculous what they were doing. And then to see Okereke have an opportunity to A, get paid four years, 40 million, and go to a situation that, like you said, was 
desperate for him. I mean, he will uh, be what he was and then some in New York. So I think this was a huge win for Okereke managers, and this is a really, really nice uh, you know, IDP prospect for 2023. Because I had to pick somebody that wasn't Okereke, I went with my second choice, which was sort of a begrudgingly chosen Tremaine Edmonds. Because why I didn't want to pick Edmonds was because I just thought the move was so dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, from a Chicago standpoint, it was so stupid to not pay Roquan and then end up paying Tremaine Edmonds anyway. I, it's, I, I, that, that whole thing was dumb. But for the player for the situation and all of that, I think it is a good move. I mean, Edmonds has always been sort of untapped in a way. He's never quite been what we wanted him to be, but he's still extremely young. And the Bears linebacker, I mean, role, it's, well, first of all, he steps into this, like, you know, iconic sort of like Bears middle of the defense type of deal. Like, that's a whole thing. And it's the, you know, Roquan Smith was, you know, IDP, you know, one of the best IDPs in all of the game playing there. And we even saw Jack Sanborn come in post Roquan and like put up some good numbers. So I think it's a good situation for him to be in to kind of grow his game, take it to the next level, be the face of this defense in the front seven for now. And uh, yeah, I, I ended up liking it a little bit for him. I, I like it a lot for Edmonds because right. he was in Buffalo and next to Matt Milano, and it was always kind of a a weird fit. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is good, and he's always going to be young, and he like flew around in coverage, but his coverage stats were kind of buffed by Matt Milano because Milano was also good in coverage, and they had great safety play and so on, but comes into the bears and they're one of the teams that are just going to funnel their tackles to their linebackers. And so you can look at like tackle numbers and say like, yeah, Jack Sanborn, it was proof of concept that you don't need to pay a linebacker, but Jack Sanborn obviously was not that good at the rest of football other than like making tackles, filling gaps. We know that Tremaine Edmonds is good at multiple phases the one thing that I didn't love about this is TJ Edwards also came over. And TJ Edwards was, I mean, a tackle machine over in Philadelphia. So I I wonder if Tremaine Edmonds is going to be a little more – like I, I wonder if TJ Edwards is going to be the main run-down linebacker and then Tremaine – is going to be used on all downs, but is a little more of a conservative linebacker. Like he's not going to be the one sniffing everything out and doing the the Roquan Smith thing. So I, I don't know. There's a little bit of a question of what are the roles going to look like in this defense and how are they going to manage both of these linebackers that they signed? Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see kind of how that works. Obviously, you don't see too many teams go out and spend big money on two off-ball linebackers <laughs> it's the whole thing was sort of strange <laughs> yeah. but they, there's got to be a plan right they wouldn't be shelling out the cash if there wasn't a plan so you would think well i don't know about the bears but 
yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I you got to think that they're going to want to use Edmonds in that's in like a playmaker role because that's what he that's what he should be. He should be a playmaker. He's got the athleticism to do it. And like I said, he's still shockingly somehow still probably not even at his like prime yet. Like he's still like getting there. He's just been in the league for five years. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting for sure. TJ Edwards, honestly, that's a stock up too. I think that's, yeah. that's a, that's a good, good spot for him to Wait, be in as well. You think it's a stock up? I think so. From the Eagles? Sure. I don't know. Why not? I've, I feel because I feel like he got a ton of tackles last year. Well, it's not like he was like <laughs> super relevant. Well, what did I he get, finish last year? Let's. I'm pulling it up right now. Was I sleeping on TJ last year? I mean, he had 159 tackles and two sacks. This says he was linebacker 518, which I'm pretty <laughs> well, sure is not true. Sleeper man. It's yeah. Just the, so yeah. I, I'm not sure what he actually finished as, but that's a good uh, year though. Yeah, I mean 158 tackles can't really be d- too disappointed in that. Yeah, that's a good year. I mean, you gotta, you know, we we obviously expect Nicobe Dean to like come in at some point here. Like he's gotta, we gotta see him play. So, <laughs> DJ Edwards, Edwards was linebacker eight. Okay, so well, all right, that's better than I honestly thought he was. So. Yeah, that honestly might speak volumes for Nicobe Dean as a 2023 sleeper. But I love that guy. I, we, I want to see him play. I just want to see him play. Um, all right. Well, next category is kind of an interesting one. This is the free agent move that had uh, significant dr- potential draft implications. So there's some wiggle room here. And I don't remember who started last time, but I want to hear what you what you approached this one with. Okay, so in respect to what we just talked about with TJ Edwards, the free agent move for me is everything the Eagles did on defense, essentially. Well, everything the Eagles did. I mean, they let go Miles Sanders. They let Chauncey Gardner-Johnson go. They let Marcus Epps go. They let... TJ Edwards go so that those are all fantasy relevant positions when you look at uh IDP leagues so they're they bring Rashad Penny in but like you said they'll probably still they they still need another running back in that room because Kenneth Gainwell is not gonna be able to tote the rock and uh Boston Scott I mean uh, both of them are pretty limited and then you look at the guy that starts at linebacker for the Eagles tends to get a ton of tackles. You look at Alex Singleton before uh, TJ Edwards, and then TJ Edwards takes over, and uh, Kaiser White also left, so there's a hole to be filled there. We would love to see Nicobe Dean in there, but I wouldn't be surprised if a linebacker comes in through the draft, and then you look at the safety position that needs to get filled as well with Marcus Epps and C.J. Gardner-Johnson both leaving, and those were basically their their strong safety and their slot corner safety hybrid kind of role with Chauncey. So I, I'm interested to see how those roles get filled, and I expect them to be fantasy relevant, whoever fills those roles. Yeah, I think it's, it is interesting because obviously we know that the Eagles have two first-round draft picks, 
we all want to believe that Bijan's going to go there, but what's going to end up happening is you're going to have like Brian Branch yeah, go to the exactly. Eagles. And then suddenly that's really, really fun from an IDP perspective. So, I mean, it, it does, th- there are some holes, like you, like you said, that have opened up in that defense. And I would imagine that any first round, obviously, but day two guys that go there, are going to be some of the most sought-after IDP uh, prospects in the upcoming draft. And, man, I'm still I'm still hoping N'Kobe Dean fill that yeah, linebacker gap. I hope so because, he, I mean, he was an animal at Georgia. So you, I think they took him in the second or third round, and he was a steal wherever they got him because of some – The medical. Uh, yeah, the, the heart condition or something yep. like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, I went on the offensive side and this one's just kind of weird because so obviously New England loses Jacoby Myers. We talked about that, but then they add two pass catchers. Juju comes into town, New England, and also Mike Gusecki. So these aren't like high profile moves by any stretch of the imagination. But the reason that I think it's interesting is because New England at, I believe it's 14, is a pretty common spot for wide receivers to start falling. And that's honestly about kind of like the top of the range for the wide receiver group that I would expect. Somewhere from like the Texans to the Patriots, like that range is like the earliest I would expect a wide receiver to go. So there was potential, and maybe there is potential, that the Patriots are the ones that take wide receiver one in the draft but i think these two moves albeit smaller might signal that we aren't going to see a pass catcher drafted with high round one capital going to new england which for me is honestly a good thing because i don't love the spot and now i feel like it's less of a concern that we'll see a jsn or a Jordan Addison even, or somebody like that go to New England. Yeah, I I totally agree there. It's like they fill some holes. This is this is kind of what they did I maybe two years ago when they brought in like Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and they just spent like a bunch of money on a bunch of middle of the road guys and then they don't draft any skill players. And Devontae Parker, too. And it was like they they just keep turning over these middle-of-the-pack wide receivers, and I think you'll see the same thing, like you said. I think they invest in the trenches and in the defensive backfield, and you'll probably see the same thing again. And I just don't expect any of the big-ticket wide receivers to go here. And like you said, that's a good thing we did the the passing game is in flux there they don't really i don't know if they even have a coordinator yet on offense so i i'm happy that we're not gonna see one of these guys you know knock on wood we're not gonna see one of these guys this is evidence of that that they'll probably draft in a tackle and then draft a edge and we'll see like Trey Palmer go here in the third round and we'll all be a little disappointed. Yeah. That's that sounds about right. My how the mighty have fallen with New England. <laughs> this is just yeah. 
what's going on over there? We don't want anything to do with this spot. <laughs> Just. Um, all right. So we got two left. Yes. First one, most underrated. So maybe a signing that you may not have even heard about or didn't even think twice about. But I chose Alexander Madison going back to Minnesota. So we know that Minnesota is shopping Dalvin Cook. There hasn't been any news on the front that I've heard lately about potential Dalvin Cook trades. But I thought it was interesting that they brought back Madison, a player who has looked pretty good in the instances where he has had to play in place of Dalvin Cook. And in many cases, this was a player that if you were a Dalvin Cook manager, you probably had Madison on your team and you started him every time Cook went out. And there was this outside chance in this free agency period that a team might roll the dice on a player like this and give him a bit of a bigger role. And honestly, I was hoping he would stay in Minnesota and Dalvin Cook would leave and we would just get a year of Alexander Madison at the least. I mean, that that's enough. I'm not expecting this guy to be like, you know, the next premier running back talent, but in the situation, if he is RB one, that is a savory, savory spot. And we are one step closer to that. Yeah. I, I think that the, the running back market was kind of contingent on the Dalvin cook trade for a little while. It sounded like where, teams were oh well I, I think we can get Dalvin so we're not going to sign this guy and then I, I it seemed like that kind of evaporated because we then saw Miles Sanders go we saw like Devin Singletary get signed we saw uh, Rashad Penny get signed and then Alexander Madison is on the team and Dalvin Cook has not been traded but there's still plenty of teams out there that could use somebody as good as Dalvin I mean, you got to think that the anything that's holding the trade up would be how much are you guys going to pay him before you send him to us? And so it would be real nice to see the handcuff. You know, uh, Tony Pollard is free. It'd be nice to see Alexander Madison, who is like the other guy where it's like, oh, are we going to finally see him? You know, every time he comes in, he looks good. So... Yeah, it'd be nice to see Dalvin get moved, maybe go to the Bills, and we could see Madison be free. Do you think he does get traded? At this point, it doesn't feel like it. You know, I feel like if it was going to happen, it it might happen like draft day, but I feel like if it was going to happen, it would happen in the free agency period because it seems like you trade for a guy for a fifth and then you can either fill that need in free agency or the draft or the other team can fill the the gap in free agency or the draft and now you've you've cut that down to just a draft where you can make an acquisition to fill the need so i don't know what do you think i don't know no i don't, <laughs> great I don't, I, yeah that's it <laughs> move on no i i i agree i think like as time has progressed it's like kind of interesting because you're putting like you're trying to figure out what is the spot like what is the spot that makes sense 
to make a trade for a premier running back with a large contract, which obviously Minnesota would be paying some of, but that doesn't take you off the hook from paying the rest. So it's got to be a team that is kind of ready to go, ready to win, uh, and needs a running back. And I think that list is getting shorter and shorter. So, and we also have a draft coming up with an incredible running back class. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think about it, but it's interesting. It is interesting. I'm interested by it. Yeah. Give me your most underrated signing. So I spoke about Darren Waller going to the Giants before, and I mentioned that they have nobody else to catch passes on this team other than Isaiah Hodgins and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. And even I forgot about Paris Campbell, who is a very underrated player. He had a nice year last year, and now he's coming over, and he's going to be one of the main targets on this offense. Uh, so last year was his best year. He had 581 yards. It was nothing like crazy good, but it was also like the corpse of Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles running the Colts offense. So it's not anything, you know, that you're super excited about. But the thing that I was excited about is he played 16 games because that has been the biggest problem with Paris Campbell is that he – has not played even half of a season yet in his career until last year. And he looked good. I, I think he he played well. He's used a little bit in the gadget role, and he can do a lot of things. He's still 25. He'll be 26 when the season happens. So he's a, still a young player. And I think going to a situation where he has a creative offensive mind and a live person in the backfield will benefit him greatly. And as long as he's going to be healthy, then I, th- I think we'll see a, a big jump from him. But whether, I mean, from 581 yards, it'd be nice to see a big jump, like, a, you know, get him to a thousand yards. And I feel like he could do that with the Giants, but uh, we'll see. Well, he'll certainly have the opportunity. And right. I think that's one of the most exciting things about this is that, this, like you said, is a player that has struggled to stay healthy. We saw just a just a glimpse of what a full season of Paris Campbell might look like, and now he gets the quintessential fresh start where he is able to now move to a new situation, the indie memories behind him, and walk into a you know, wide receiver room that doesn't have much going on. So... I think this is one of those sort of low risk like ads. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if Paris Campbell is like ro- how many leagues he's rostered in, but this is one of those like pick him up if you can, see what happens. Like, you know, it's it's a name worth throwing a dart at at this point. 100%. And they they signed him, it's a pretty cheap deal. Most of it is incentive laden where it's like, yeah, we're giving you a 1.4 million dollars but you know if you lead the team in catches lead the team in touchdown get a bunch of catches receiving yards so on and so forth then it can be a nice little five million dollar deal but uh so it, it's definitely the prove it deal i think yeah definitely all right well that leaves us with one remaining category which is 
other deal worth talking about is how I have it in my wild, sheet. Wild card. <laughs> the wild card round. Yes. So what is your wild card deal of the period? Yes, so I have Evan Ingram being franchise tagged by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That will be an $11.3 million deal for one year after a career season in Jacksonville coming up with this fun young team. Uh, they're adding weapons. They're bringing Calvin Ridley in. He got reinstated. They got Trevor Lawrence coming into his third year, his second year under Doug Peterson. And then you got Evan Ingram, who we uh, posited that he might move and they might draft a tight end, but he's not going anywhere. And we're going to be seeing the former first rounder out of Mississippi come and uh, you know, earn that money. Yeah, like a few months ago, I didn't think this was going to happen. But I think as time went on, you realized it makes more and more sense for Evan Ingram paired with Doug Peterson, have his, having a career season. Trevor Lawrence likes him, trusts him, like he fits in this offense. I think it made a lot of sense to not really mess with that. I mean, there's nothing stopping them from drafting another tight end in this class and developing them behind Evan Ingram. I mean, obviously this is the franchise tag. It is not a five-year extension. So um, yeah, I, I like this a lot for Ingram. I mean, this was a very fantasy relevant player last year because obviously we know this about tight ends and he had more than a few good games. So this is a player, again, if you have Evan Ingram, should be more of the same in 2023, and I like it a lot. Me too. I wish he wasn't wearing number 17. <laughs> that thing, it always, it throws me off it every single time. It bothers you, man. It does. I, every time I'm like, why, the, why, who is that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's. that's it's the tight Evan end Ingram. wearing right. 17. Yeah, not great. Um. Well, my wild card deal is actually two deals and they both involve the new Orleans. Wow. The new <laughs> Orleans saints. There it is. So we haven't talked about David. Oh, Good. I'm falling God. apart, man. We're getting, falling. We got, falling. we hit the one hour mark and it's over. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like a brick wall. Just, yeah. <laughs> no, Derek Carr. Yes. So this was the the quarterback tour. He's out on, you know, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to visit all these teams. And the entire time he knew he was going to the Saints and he didn't want them to use draft capital to acquire him. So that is what ended up happening, which honestly is good. I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of memed this thing and even a few people that said, you know, is this really better than Andy Dalton? And I'm like, okay, give me a break yes. here. Like, <laughs> yeah. can we just give Derek Carr a little bit of credit? I mean, I understand that he's not, you know, in tier one or even tier two of quarterbacks at this point, but like, he's a functional quarterback. He's not Andy Dalton, you know, like, this is good for Chris Olave. This is good for Michael Thomas, who is, in fact, coming back to New Orleans. So I liked this a lot for the wide receivers. But they also made another move that I liked even more, which was Jamal Williams coming in 
this was one of the stories of 2022, obviously, with Detroit. Jamal Williams has a career season, breaks Barry Sanders' touchdown single-season record with Detroit, and earns himself a nice little payday with New Orleans in a very uncertain running back room with Alvin Kamara potentially facing some legal consequences and also you know getting up there in age as well last season didn't quite look the same so I think there's an opportunity here for Jamal Williams to kind of build off of what he did last year if you you know bought this player on like a playoff run type of a deal or got lucky and picked them up you should be in for some more fun with Jamal and this is a fun player so yeah, absolutely. And like you said, if uh, Alvin Kamara ends up getting suspended or ends up uh, reaping the consequences of the legal action, then Jamal Williams is uh, the guy. Like the, 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 I don't know if there's anybody else on this team that's you know worth anything. And again, they might draft somebody. We still have the draft coming up, so that'll be interesting. But either way, I mean, he was in the backfield with – DeAndre Swift last year, who is a talented young running back who didn't see the field that much because he doesn't pass block as well as Jamal Williams. He doesn't get dirty yards as well as Jamal Williams. And I don't think anybody in the league right now operates on the goal line better than Jamal Williams outside of maybe like Derrick Henry. So you look at this player and you're absolutely right. They're, they're getting an upgrade in their offense with Derek Carr. They, I mean, Jamal likely will be in a small role if Kamara's there but all signs are pointing to him not being there and if he is we'll see but I I like the idea of Jamal heading this backfield and they were already taking away goal line carries from Kamara last season so this was a you know this is a calculated move they know what kind of player they needed even if Kamara is there which you know, that's very up in the air. And again, pretty much like every like running back situation we've talked about on this episode, we still don't really know the full story because of the draft. And that is where we are headed next, man. That That's my segue. There it was. Because coming out of this free agency, always a lot of fun to understand how the league has changed what it all means for dynasty there wasn't i wouldn't call this like a you know meteoric like free agency period for the like skill position players there weren't really like you know it wasn't the same thing as last year even but still some interesting names changing hands including trades definitely so uh it was fun to go through that but the draft, the path to the draft is what is next for us. So we are heading into late stage March and April, which is draft month. So that all kicks off next week, Colin. We are starting Camp Dynasty's path to the draft with some draft narrative therapy. You and I are going to hit the couch, man. We're going to have to play patient and therapist. I can't wait to cry. Like I just, I need to get in touch with my emotions and uh, you know, I've been having some things brewing. I need to bring them up to the surface and really talk them out because some of the things that I hear about, I I don't know if I'm just going to like go on Twitter and then like go in replies and tell you how I feel about them. 
or if we have a more sophisticated way of handling this. But, man, when I'm just scrolling through whatever social media I'm on and then I'm like, ah, let's see what the replies say here. Always a bad idea. And then it's like, yeah, no, uh, X player is horrible. And I'm like, do you watch any sports ever? Uh, but yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a nice episode to just get some takes off our chest. All you need to do is show up with your heart and a willingness to open it. I'm always willing to open it. (laughs) There it is. So we will explain next week what draft narrative therapy is all about. But until that point, follow us on Twitter at camp underscore dynasty and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. Give us a review and a rating wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts let us know what you love and more importantly what you hated and we will be back next week we've been on a kind of a funky little schedule with some wednesday shows the last couple weeks but we should be back next tuesday with another episode coming at you on the path to the draft i can't wait for the path of the draft i'm already you know it's gonna be a bumpy road i can feel it I can feel it, man. I can feel it. We got a new Kuiper mock. We got a new DJ mock today. It's really starting to happen now. We're we're in it. The top ten picks are different in every mock I see, which I love. Yep. This Nothing's is a fun locked in. We're only a month out. This is a fun draft class. So I'm looking forward to all of that. And until that point, thank you all for stopping by Camp Dynasty, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>